As a culture, we love celebrity train wrecks. I've been told by media types that if you build a headline that talks about the failure of some celebrity, you'll get far more clicks than if you elevate the story of someone who's found a cure for cancer. And we can't resist it. We love it when somebody famous messes up. The other extreme is that we also feel sad when we hear the story of someone who has been mistreated. We have sympathy for the victim. But here's a question. What about the perpetrator? Have you ever had compassion for a person who cheats or mistreats others? Zacchaeus, the man that we're going to look at today, was clearly a scoundrel. He was wealthy and well-known, but he had acquired his, his fortune unethically. He cheated people who came to resent, even hate him, for everything he represented. So does he deserve our sympathy? Is he someone we should care about? Or would treating him with compassion mean letting him get away with it, being too soft on someone who has hurt others? In a moment, we're going to talk about this, how Jesus dealt with Zacchaeus, but know that this story raises some important questions, like who deserves forgiveness? In other words, if you make a big mistake, is there any hope for you to atone for a blunder? Can you ever hope for redemption? Now, in the social media world that we live in, a person's faults can be laid out for tens of thousands to see. And is there any possibility for mercy? Well, I want you to listen to the story of Zacchaeus as the way Luke tells it in Luke chapter 19, and then we're going to try to break it down. So here's the story, beginning in verse 1. It says that Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So Jesus is traveling. And he walks into Jericho, he's passing through, so he's not intending to stay. And there's a man by the name of Zacchaeus, this wealthy tax collector. He was, in fact, the chief tax collector, which means he ran the IRS in the local area. And he was very wealthy. Now, the Romans had outsourced tax collection. The system really worked well for them because it meant that they, the Romans, didn't have to tackle this unpleasant job. Plus, Local people like Zacchaeus did a much better job than they did. They knew the language, the culture. Um, they were much more efficient at doing this than the Romans could ever have been. Now, in exchange for collecting the required taxes, tax collectors were allowed to charge extra fees above and beyond the required taxes. So what they would do is if you owed $1,000 in taxes, they would say, make it $1,100, and then they would keep the extra $100. Consequently, they became quite wealthy. Although they had one condition, they were required to pledge allegiance or pledge loyalty to Rome and to the emperor. That was not something a Jew was supposed to do. 
For years, this was a trade-off that Zacchaeus was willing to make. He was obsessed with making money. Greed consumed him. In fact, he was powerless to break the power that greed had over his life. But he was willing to make this trade-off, pledge his allegiance to Rome, make a lot of money. But then it seems something began to change because it says that he wanted to see who Jesus was. You see, something had been nagging at Zacchaeus for some time. He had a lot of nice stuff. He ate better, lived larger than anyone else in Jericho. But something was missing. And the hint we get in the text is that he was lonely. You see, tax collectors like Zacchaeus were deeply disliked. They had defrauded people, collaborated with the the enemy. And Zacchaeus, as successful as he was, was an outcast. People didn't like him. He never got invited to parties. People talked behind his back. And it stung. Gripped by greed, he felt powerless to change this, and yet he was miserable. And then he heard about this guy, Jesus. Jesus had a reputation for being friendly to the outcasts. He told everyone that God's reign was here, that he was going to make things better for everyone. And maybe, Zacchaeus thought, he'll have compassion even on someone like me. So when he heard Jesus was in town, he wanted to meet him, but Zacchaeus had a problem. He was short. And he couldn't see over the rest of the crowd. So he ran ahead, climbed this tree in order to be able to see Jesus. Now, in the song that children sang in my day in Sunday school, the song lyric was that Zacchaeus' problem was he was a wee little man. And it's true. Zacchaeus was short. But my guess is that there were other short people that day who had no problem seeing Jesus. Because, you know, in a crowd, what generally happens is those who are taller are willing to step back and allow those who are shorter to stand in front of them, just to be able to see. It doesn't hurt someone who's taller to be able to do that. But that day, Zacchaeus was both short and hated, and so when he tried to push his way to the front, others just elbowed him out. If he'd been respected, I think the crowd would have made room for him, but they didn't. So he did something, actually two things, that were incredibly socially awkward. He ran and he climbed a tree. You see, in those days, Jewish men didn't do a lot of running. Um, In fact, it wasn't considered dignified at all for a grown, respected man to run. And they didn't climb trees, but Zacchaeus was so determined, so desperate to see Jesus, that he was willing to humiliate himself, and so he climbed a tree. It says that when Jesus reached that spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come on down. I must go to your house this day. Now, we're not told how Jesus saw Zacchaeus. Now, think about this. When you walk, what you generally do is look ahead or down. You don't look up. Not only that, sycamore trees had dense foliage. So if Zacchaeus had climbed up into the tree, it's actually fairly unlikely that someone would have seen him. But Jesus picked him out and invited himself over to Zacchaeus' house. So why did he pick Zacchaeus, particularly him, out? Some have speculated that, well, he was looking for the rottenest, most corrupt person in town to be able to reach out to. And that may be true. But I also have a sense that Jesus knew that Zacchaeus was ready. More than anyone else that day, he knew that Zacchaeus was open to what he had for him. So he reaches out to Zacchaeus and says, I must stay at your house today. Not, I want to or could I, but I must. Jesus makes reaching out to Zacchaeus that his purpose for that particular day in his life. And Zacchaeus was thrilled. It says he welcomed him gladly. And with that, Jesus crossed a social and religious line. Earlier in his ministry, he had cared for people in need. 
he had cared for some who were rejected by society. Some, like the poor and the sick, people could say, yeah, you know, they deserve some help. Others he'd showed sympathy for were sinners, people who had blown it. But now he's gone even one step further and reached out with sympathy for an all but convicted bad guy, someone who had ripped off good, hardworking people, someone the crowd didn't at all like. And it says, all the people began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. How could they? They said they shot him looks, they whispered disapprovingly, others were just stunned. They had no category for what they'd just witnessed. They just didn't get it. So you might ask the question, what did they expect Jesus to do? Well, here's how it might have played out if the crowd had had their way. At a minimum, what they expected Jesus to do was criticize Zacchaeus, maybe even unload on him. You despicable cheat, you traitor, you betrayed your country and your God. You scumbag, I wouldn't set foot in your house any more than if my life depended on it. Get down on your knees and repent. That's the kind of message that they expected that Jesus would deliver to Zacchaeus. If Jesus had said something like that, the people would have cheered. But that's not what Jesus did at all. Instead, he invited himself over to Zacchaeus' home, and from there, he did the utterly unthinkable. He demonstrated that sometimes the oppressors are as oppressed as those they're oppressing. Now, that doesn't excuse what Zacchaeus has done. Neither does it write him off. Jesus knew that Zacchaeus needed grace, so he reached out in love. And Zacchaeus, a man who moments earlier had been gripped by greed, responded with a transformed heart, with this famous response where he says, I'm going to give half of what I, what I own to the poor, and if I've defrauded anyone, I'm going to pay them four times the amount. Now, interestingly, there's nothing in the story that indicates that Jesus preached a sermon to him. We know they were together, they likely had a conversation, but the next thing you know, Zacchaeus is telling Jesus that he's going to do this remarkable thing. You can just imagine how that conversation might have gone, and Zacchaeus saying to Jesus, you know what, I've been robbing these people for years. I've known it was wrong, but you know what, I didn't care. As long as I got rich, I was okay with it. But now, I understand that more than anything, it's not made me happy, it's made me miserable, and I know that I've hurt these people. So Jesus, here's the deal. I'm going to give back, I'm going to give half away to people who are underprivileged, people who don't have enough. I'm going to give half of what I have to help them out. And if I've defrauded anyone, I'm going to try to make up for it. And I know I can't do it fully, but I hope it helps. Because Jesus had awakened something in Zacchaeus that had long lain dormant. The power and the grip that greed had on his life was broken and his heart melted in light of God's love and grace. And he showed everyone that he was a changed man. Zacchaeus knew he didn't deserve the grace that Jesus showed him. And he responds not out of obligation, not even out of a sense of, if I do this, then Jesus will love me. What he does here is recognize that out of gratitude for the love that Jesus has shown him, he can do something to express that gratitude in serving others. I want you to reflect for a moment on the fact that what Zacchaeus did was technically not against the law. The Romans allowed him to do. This was the system that was in place. It wasn't a good system. In fact, it was an evil system. But he wasn't doing anything technically wrong according to the law. He knew that others, particularly the poor, suffered when he collected more than was required. Meeting Jesus gave him a sudden moment of moral clarity to know that what he had been doing was wrong. And he had a desire to make things right. 
We're in the midst of a national conversation about how the inequities of the past have had a disproportionate effect on particular groups of people, African Americans in particular. Laws and business practices and social conventions have made it difficult for black families to acquire assets and build wealth um, for much of our nation's history. And we've had our own Zacchaeuses, those who've exploited the system to build wealth at the expense of others. Zacchaeus met Jesus, and while we don't know the nature of the conversation, we know that he responded by understanding what he needed to do, and he committed to make up for his past sins. So Zacchaeus, in this case, is a perpetrator, someone who actively exploited the weaknesses of others. But the Old Testament prophets tell us that we also need to fix the broken systems. This tax system the Romans had was really an inequitable and broken system. So we need to do that as well as restrain bad actors. They remind us that those of us who benefit from unjust systems, even if we're not the actual perpetrators, need to do what we can to fix things. And sometimes that means reaching back and helping those who have suffered from injustices committed in the past. That may mean making restitution for things that happened a long time ago in order to make things right now. Zacchaeus was willing to go beyond what was required. We may need to do the same thing in the interest of compassion and justice for those who've been historically oppressed. Now, to sum all of this up, Jesus just simply says to Zacchaeus, Today salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. I want you to think for a moment about what Jesus is saying. First of all, Zacchaeus was a Jew. So according to everyone else, he was a part of that family. He was a son of Abraham. But Jesus wants him to understand that he's been included in another and completely different and more important way. Zacchaeus, no matter what you've done, no matter how sinful you are, salvation is coming. You're a true son of Abraham. And this did not go well with the crowd. For one, the cynics must have said, sure, Zacchaeus says that now. But just you wait. As soon as Jesus is gone, he'll conveniently forget his promises to pay us back. So were they right? Did Zacchaeus really change? Well, we don't know. But just imagine, you know, a few days pass by. Won't Zacchaeus start to rethink his commitment? For one, half of everything is half of everything he owns. That's a lot of money. It'll mean he'll need to downsize. He'll be able to be unwilling. Uh, he'll have to do without some of the things he's gotten used to, you know, Thick steaks, designer clothes, trips to the beach in the summer. So what did happen? Did Zacchaeus really follow through on his commitments? We can't be for sure, but it sure seems that he did. For one, we see his evident love for Jesus. So rather than money being at the center of his heart, Jesus has replaced that. He's already been uh, thinking in an entirely new way. Instead of thinking about money only, about spending on himself, he starts thinking about how he can use it for others. Before he met Jesus, Zacchaeus loved money and used people. Now he loves people and uses money, uses things to help them. I guess that in the end, we'll have to trust Jesus' judgment. Zacchaeus really had become a son of Abraham, a person related to God by faith, not just by virtue in his ethnic heritage. That, by the way, is the way that it is with us. It's not the good we do, as important as it is, that makes us God's children. It's the faith that we have in Jesus. And then, out of gratitude, we will do good. 
This conversation with Zacchaeus was not a one-off. You see, Jesus had been having important conversations with all sorts of people previous to that, people who had deep and very personal longings. So in the last few months, we've been talking about people like that, people who are weighed down by worry, about a man who was, who was burdened with guilt, a woman who lived on the margins of her community, a power-hungry pair of brothers, a woman caught in sexual sin, and now this man, one gripped by greed. In each case, Jesus has met them where they are and then loved them for who they were. Why? Well, because as Jesus said to Zacchaeus and the others gathered there that day, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. That's Jesus' mission statement. That's what he came to earth to do. To be lost is to be in the wrong place. When we're lost, we've wandered far from God. But understand that what Jesus did today, that that day to Zacchaeus, he's doing today. That is seeking and reaching out, inviting us back into the family of God. In this story, it seems Zacchaeus thought he was only seeking Jesus, but really Jesus was taking the initiative with Zacchaeus. And it's the same with us. You may feel lost. Things may not be working out the way that you had hoped. If you're honest enough to admit, you'll acknowledge that something is missing. You'll know that there's more to life. So do what Zacchaeus did and reach out to Jesus. Just as he did to Zacchaeus, Jesus extends an invitation to each one of you. The Bible tells us that Jesus lived and died and rose again, and he did so to invite us into a relationship with God. That all we need to do is to receive the invitation that Jesus offers so freely to each one of us. If that's you, let me just encourage you to receive the gift of grace that's offered us. Zacchaeus was near the bottom of the most respected people. He was really the least respected person in his community. As a tax collector, his chosen career was right up there with con men and hedge fund managers. But Jesus reached out in love to Zacchaeus, and it changed the trajectory of his life. Let Jesus do that for you. Would you pray with me? Father, in some ways, we're all like Zacchaeus. And sure, we may not have ripped people off or collaborated with the enemy, but we've done something else. Whatever it is that we've done, though, we take heart in this story of love and grace given someone who really didn't deserve it. Sometimes we wonder if Jesus can be a bit too lenient with others. Until that is, we think about our own junk. Father, thank you for your love and grace given us in what Jesus has done for us on the cross. May we hear the good news that you pursue us, that no matter how far we may have wandered from you, that you continue to reach out in love, inviting us to be a part of your family. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.